Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast. I'm Andy Mitten. I'm delighted to be joined by Ashley Westwood. Ash played in the Premier League, in the Championship. In fact, he played in the top five divisions in England and he's been a coach as a UEFA pro licence coach. He's won the league twice in India and he's currently been living in Australia and he's had a decent job offer. So we've got him just before he takes his next job. Ash, thanks for joining us. You're in Sydney, yeah? Yeah, I'm in Sydney, mate. Just currently staring at the Harbour Bridge, sat underneath the Opera House. Um, hopefully the acoustics will be all right. And uh, just a nice little setting. It's like half seven in the evening. Sun's just about to go down. So looks picturesque and it's uh, a nice little setting. Well, we've asked you to come back on because we had a huge feedback to the last uh, tactical podcast you did for United We Stand. So we've got hundreds of questions sent in for you and it's going to take about 16 hours. So just get a comfortable <laughs> seat by the water. When you did your pro licence, who else was on your course? Yeah, it was a good group. I mean, that's how the English FA tend to do it. They say the secret is by getting good candidates, good people in the room and all feeding off each other. Uh, we had Kieran McKenna was on there. I think he'd, he actually was at Tottenham at the time when he was on it, but obviously it's an 18-month, two-year course. And he got his move to Manchester United while he was on that pro licence course, uh, which was interesting. Uh, another one that went through the ranks at Chelsea, Joe Edwards. He's now uh, obviously one of Frank's assistants, first team coaches, if you like, at Chelsea. Michael Emanello was on there, who was the sporting director at Chelsea at the time, who then moved to Monaco. Robbie Fowler, obviously he doesn't really need much introduction. Gary Bowyer, Gary Rowett, Neil Harris, uh, Dave Livermore, his assistant over at Cardiff. They were at Millwall at the time. Um, so, so many people, Steve Gallen, who's a sporting director, I think, at Charlton. Um, so, so quite a lot of different, Michael Jilks, who's, I think, a similar role at, at Reading. Um, many people, I think it's 25 of us, but, you know, all, all good lads who are, who are in, in good positions within the English game, really. OK, I'll get straight into the questions. Um, what should United do tactically when teams sit back? It's a very simple opening question, but one which I think baffles United fans because they see the, the team struggle to break down teams who sit back. Yeah, I think that's where, obviously, you know, your, your match winners, you know, come into their own. Someone that can, you know, manipulate the ball in, in tight spaces, you know, make a goal from nothing, if you like. And I know once listening to Mourinho speak, you know, if you get a 1v1 in the box... You know, they class that as a big chance, big goal-scoring opportunity. But obviously, it's down to the individual to try and, you know, beat a player, dribble past him or get a yard of space and get his goal off. So, it, it's... Them, them deep-line teams, it's always difficult because, you know, we've all done training sessions where you, you play 10v6 and you get six stood on the edge of the box, four defenders, two midfielders in front of them. And it's very hard to score a goal uh, because they don't move. So it's almost like you need to invite those teams out of their defensive shape, which is where the, the transition moments always come in and they, they class that as a, a big area of football now. It's, it's almost like you don't want them to camp on the box and park the bus. You, you need to kind of like draw them out. Um, and when they come to attack you, you quickly get the ball back and you have to move it so quick and you get you know six or eight seconds opportunity where they're out of their shape and you can break them down. But it's also those those number 10s, if you like, the, the wingers, you know, you play a front three, if you like, and, and those wingers come off into the pockets of space in between the full-back and the central defenders and, and just behind the midfielders. And it's, it's getting the ball into those players and then getting them turned, 
getting out of back four, what, what makes the difference. So it, it's finding those pockets of spaces. And, you know, that was one of the reasons why Bruno Fernandes was, was bought for, for those specific, you know, criteria, if you like, of finding those space in between the lines when, when teams get stretched. Why isn't there a defender on each post for corners anymore, is the next question. I think they try and pack the box. Um, they try and, you know, do part zonal, part marking. Um, so they, there'll be, you know, four defenders, you know, just inside the six-yard line. There'll be, there'll be each so individuals marking a couple of key strikers. And everybody brings everybody back. Uh, you know, they believe 18-yard box. If you've got 11 players inside that 18-yard box, then most areas are covered, most space is covered. But at the end of the day, you still need those individuals to, to win those duels and, and want to attack the ball and, and want to be the first person to put their head on it. What did United do wrong for the first goal in Istanbul is another question. And you've got one minute to answer this rather than two hours. Um, was, this, was this the goal where... Jemba Bar. The breakaway. The, the breakaway, yeah. Yeah, Jemba Bar. I mean... That was incredible. I've, I've not seen anything like that for a long time. I was actually covering the game um, for Sony um, in India for Indian TV and I couldn't believe it. Uh, Luke Shaw was in a, in a strange position. Um, obviously, I know you know certain corner takers go over sometimes to take corners, um, but I, I don't like my, my left backs on the opposite side of the pitch. You know, Both of, of Man United's full-backs were, were high inside the box and then nobody's really took the responsibility of, of being the furthest man back. I presume that should have been Matic, um, but it's classic. You know, if somebody has a striker who's left up or if somebody sees a striker getting up, it, it's it's easy. One in front, one behind. It's, it's the way it's done at schoolboy level. I think that was just a freak goal. You know, bad organisation, bad awareness from from covering defenders or, or Matic if it, if it was supposed to be him. And just letting Denver Bar slip off the back of someone and, and just being unmarked and, and running clean through it was just very strange. Um, you know, you don't see that very often. And I'm sure, you know, they won't do that again. But it was just a bizarre incident. How long does top size actually get to train on tactics during a normal week when there's two games? Normally, you, you'll probably get one session apart from, a, obviously, you'll have a couple of meetings as well. Uh, you know, if your game's on a Saturday... You know, most teams like to do the tactical session on a Thursday and then 11v11 where they, they're walking through some key scenarios, what they expect the opposition to do, what, what we're going to do regards how we're going to you know, put our onus on them. Um, and then you'll, you'll cover it again, I would have thought. And a team meeting on a Friday and then a team meeting again on the Saturday. So I believe you get three pitches. You know, you can't sit there and, and bombard people with information. You know, they say that you know, after six or seven minutes, your attention span goes anyway and, and you'll forget everything that's chucked at you. So you'll try and get maybe three pitches in, a tactical session on the field, a team meeting on the opposition, maybe a Friday, and then a wrap of everything with another team meeting, probably after your pre-match meal on a Saturday where you're covering what they're going to do and what we're going to do. So three pitches, but I suppose that's the, the area where maybe at times Liverpool benefit because you know they more or less play the same kind of system week in week out with a kind of a tweak here and there you know recently Man United have been chopping and changing really to to try and accommodate to get the best players in the team why are players so bad at dead ball delivery especially at corners is the next question it's, it's you know it's 
it's, it's a long it's a long kick to be honest. I, I believe Bruno Fernandes is, is very good. Um, you know, he, he's I would say eight out of ten. His delivery's normally spot on. Um, but it's just like anything, you know, you can't control the ball. Uh, you know, Trent Arnold is is, is brilliant at, at Liverpool, obviously dead ball situations, free kicks. But it's it's such, you know, a, a corner should be a little bit easier because you're only hitting an area. Obviously, a free kick, you're trying to get it up and over the wall and underneath the crossbar. So that can be testing. But you, you would think, you know, eight, nine times out of ten, you should be able to put the ball roughly where you want it to. But it's, it's like anything. It's, it's practice makes perfect. It's why David Beckham was so good. All those hours spending at the cliff with a tyre tied to the crossbar and whipping it through there every single evening for an hour at a time when he was a kid. Um, you know, you just you have to practice and practice and sports scientists these days are like you can't kick the ball so many times you're going to get injured the games are uh, taxing at you you're 12,000 meters so you can't you can't kick 200 balls a week because you know you're going to put your thigh under stress and you're going to get injured um it might it may it has to come really from your you know 10 to 19 years of age as a kid through the academies you just have to practice and practice but you can't really get the practice in these days because of the fatigue Next question is from David Moist, who is a regular on United We Stand's uh, forum. Uh, my question will be about Pogba from a tactical perspective, he says. Is there a space for a player like him who isn't a great defender, isn't great positionally, but is a superb passer of the ball? In the modern game, can you hide him on the pitch in a position where you can get the best out of him? A few years ago, uh, lazy bastards could hide as a 10 but uh, the tens now seem to be some of the hardest workers. Yeah, I think um, Pogba's obviously a bit of an enigma to Man United. Um, he's on his day the best in training. I'm, I'm, I've seen him. I'm sure he, you know, he runs rings around everybody in training because he's so good, strong, aware, touch. But he, he's not disciplined, and I think that's the problem with him. So if you play him as one of the sitters in a, in a four-two-three-one. He'll, he'll drift out of his position and he won't defend for you all the time. You know, there'll be times where he'll let you down. If you play him as a 10, he's got creativity to be the extra special player and, and score your goal and create a goal, which is where I believe he wants to play. But then when you play him as a 10, he gets so bored, if he doesn't see the ball, he'll then start dropping deeper than the other deep midfielders to get on it. So he, he kind of annoys you maybe from a coaching perspective because... You want him to do a certain thing and, and he's, he's quite loose, I think, in his, in his thought patterns and his discipline. So he just wants to be on the ball. So it's kind of like you have to let him do whatever you want. But to let him do whatever he wants, you probably need to play at least one, if not two, sitters to allow him to do what he wants to give you protection in case he gets caught forward. Or, But then, like I said, he'll come below the, the deeper midfielders and, and, and take their space. Um, so he's hard. Um, the best, probably sounds daft, the best place to probably play him, which you wouldn't play like that anyways, is maybe in a 4-4-2 as a midfielder just doing what he wants with one midfielder being rigid and not moving. Um, but with Bruno Fernandes in the squad, he's never going to play 10 in front of him, in my opinion, because Bruno creates more, he assists more, he scores more. Um, so he's almost starting to fall out of not having a place in the Man United team. Because he's not reliable. He's not reliable in his discipline and he's defended. Next question from Brian Crowley7. I'd like to know if you can... Can a coach teach Aaron Wambasaka to cross the ball 
He's identical to Valencia in terms of getting to the byline, a few step-overs and kicking it off the defender. But teams seem genuinely happy to let him have it out wide and tuck in on our midfield. It would be a huge addition if he got this to his game. Yeah, I think, obviously, it's predictable one was like because he's right-footed and you know what he's going to do and you know he's going to go down on the outside and cross. And most modern-day full-backs now are quick. And you've always got the slide as well, which gives you an extra yard if someone's, you know, whipped it past you and and, and going to try and whip it in the box. So it, it's tough now to beat defenders because everyone's so um, athletic. You know, we've gone the days where you know you get a slow fullback and you target them with somebody who's fast, like a Kinchelski or someone where you know what Kinchelski is going to do. But he's going up against a slow fullback and he's going to beat him eight times out of ten, and he's going to whip it across. You know, them them slow fullbacks have gone. You, you only have to go through all the fullbacks in the league. And there's not many that slow. Um, so it's hard. And I think then, you know, you have to try and break lines and you have to break lines with, with timing of your run. You know, if he gets fronted up 1v1, he's very rarely going to beat someone and whip the crossing. But if he's slipped in down the outside and he's broken a line and he's clear and he's using his pace, then that's different. So that's more of a, a tactical element where you need a bit of a build-up play and a bit of an overload. You know, the inverted winger comes inside you know, maybe pass back to midfield and wan has broke the lines down the outside and he gets slipped in and then he can get his cross. But at the end of the day, he's a defender first. Yes, modern-day fullbacks, we want to get forward and we want to get crosses. But first and foremost, we want him to defend and, and not concede crosses on the flip side. And then if he can add something else to his game, that's a bonus. Um, you know, it's, you, you compare him. I always compare him to Liverpool because they, they won the league. pains me to say... But they, they play very narrow front three. So there's always space for the fullbacks to get put down the sides. Um, and then they get the crosses in. But it's tough, you know, with defenders, you know, you can't expect them to, to do a couple of step overs and twist somebody in knots and get free and, and put a cross in. It's more of a, a tactical build up with your fullbacks these days. Have you ever used incognito mood while browsing? Why is internet privacy important to you? Well, it's probably because you don't want people knowing what your business is. A problem is that your internet service provider can see every site that you've visited, even if you use incognito mode, even if you clear out your history, whether your provider is Sky, BT. In the UK, they are required by law to store all of your metadata from the last year. One solution is that ExpressVPN, which is an app that reroutes and encrypts your internet connection through their secure servers, so your internet provider cannot see the sites that you've visited. You can have ExpressVPN on several different devices and it can be a game changer for you. It protects 100% of your data with the best in-class encryption. It runs seamlessly in the background. There's no lagging or buffering. It's easy to use. You tap one button and you're protected. It was rated number one, the number one VPN by Cena and Wired. It's available on all your devices, your phones, computers and routers. So the whole family is placed under protection with one subscription. Go to expressvpn.com slash united and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com forward slash united. Expressvpn.com forward slash united. Next question is from Tibi, and he says, how much influence does a senior player have in the dressing room on and off the field? It's said that United's team lack characters, lack leaders, 
Uh, is it possible to tell some stories to illustrate your point? Rashford is seen as someone who Ollie Gunner is building a team around. Professionally, he's excellent, but he can't seem to lead the team forward, uh, is the gist of his point. Yeah, I think, obviously, it's hard these days. Them characters, you Roy Keane's... You know, Roy Keane, I think, would find it almost impossible these days because everyone's on so much money and they don't care what Roy Keane's saying anymore. Um, you know, on £300,000 a week on a five-year deal. You know, everyone used to strive with Roy Keane around. You know, he would set the standards in training. He would set the standards in life, if you like. Um, you know, he wouldn't let you wear dodgy clothes. He'd be on top of you. He'd be, be hammering you if you drop your standards in training. He'd be hammering you if you drop your standards in a game. And he'd have the now to back it up where, you know, if, if, if you stand up to him, maybe you better be prepared to have a fight because he's going to punch you. So if you want to stand up to him, you better be prepared to go all the way. Nowadays, that never happens. You know, I couldn't tell you the last time I heard of someone getting chinned at, at their own club. But in my days, it would happen four times a season. You know, someone in the dressing room would have a problem and somebody would get chinned. And it would get left there and you'd get on with it. Um, but nowadays, it, it never happens. So them leaders, you know, are slowly going out of the game because the money's so big and players just don't care anymore um, when it comes to, you know, I believe United have got it back a bit. Um, you know, they, they seem to have a, a better ethic about them now. Um, you know, there's a few leaders in the squad without anyone, you know, threatening to chin you. And that's what's missing. It sounds terrible and you can't really say that these days because nobody wants to hear it. But, you know, if there's, if there's no consequence for you standing up to someone, then how do you, how do you create a leader? It's now, it's now more led by example rather than led by the iron fist, if you like. Um, that's slowly drifting out the game, and that's why it's, it's becoming harder and harder. Ashley was seen as the hard man in the defensive two alongside Sean Dyche. Did you do any chinning? Yeah, we've all, we, I think we all have these days. You know, it, it might be a, a thrown bottle at someone because they've told you to F off in the game, and you come in and you throw a bottle at them from the, from the water thing, and you say, you do that again, and we're, and we're having it, if you like. Um, it, it, it was it was known. It was part of it. It was old school. That's you know it went on. I was watching a clip the other day. I can't remember exact, but I think it was a 1970s game between Leeds and Chelsea. The class that is the dirtiest game ever. And I think they got a referee to, to re-ref it in today's current standards. And I think there was something like 12 yellow cards and 17 yellows or something. But there was actually only one yellow card in the game. So it's just changed. It, you know it's. You can say it's changed for the better because we see more skill these days, we see more flair, we see more talent. But it needs to be a blend, it needs to be a balance. You know, you still need, you know, that English tough element to it, which is, is slowly slipped out. When you speak of Keane, do you speak from experience? Because you were obviously an FA Youth Cup winner, you were a young pro at Manchester United. Yeah, I think without being like in the thick of it in the first team dressing room, you know, I was in the reserve team dressing room or before that the youth team dressing room. But you still could see, you could still listen. You were still in and around the dressing room at times, you know, when you're doing the boots duty or whatever you're doing. And you still had that fear. As a, as a young kid, you dared go in that dressing room. You had to be invited in. You couldn't walk in. If you got caught walking in, you'd get hammered. Um, you know, you was invited in. Otherwise, they're like, what are you doing in here, you little toe rag? Do you know what I mean? You, get out. This is the first team dressing room. This is where the, you know, the main boys come. 
Um, and, and you've seen Keane, you've seen his aura, you, you watched him train. You've seen that he didn't take any any shit off anyone. He, he, uh, he set the standard and he pulled everyone around him and he, you know, he, he would squeeze an extra 10% out of people. Now it's down to the coaching staff to try and do that. But you can't do it. You know, you can't. You can't coach the way you want to coach because uh, players will just switch off and they'll get you the sack. Paul Taylor asks, are the top managers tactical geniuses or are they just able to get their teams to do the basics of football very well? City seem to use the space and pass the ball and move the ball better than others. Liverpool seem to run harder and pass faster than most. That's probably a massive simplification, but do they just do the simple things in football very well and know how to communicate uh, this and have very motivated players? I think the, the Premier League manager now is, is more about keeping everybody happy, creating a good spirit, creating ethics and, and philosophies. You know, Liverpool's is intensity. It's all about intensity. Manchester City, again, is intensity, but, you know, very attacking, um, but very high tempo in training. Um, and that's the key, really. You know, your tactical elements always comes in with the rest of your stuff. Um, you know, you, everyone says Mourinho's a, a, a tactical genius, but I think that's of setting up teams not, not to lose. Um, you know, what, what is a tactical genius these days? Looking at the opposition and coming up with a formula, you've still got to get your players to do it. And if they're not in the right spirits, they're not going to do it. Because that's the, you know, the extra two, three, four percent makes all the difference these, these days. Because everyone's, you know, everybody's good in the Premier League. But to make it extra special, first and foremost, you've got to create the right atmosphere and the right spirit within the club that plays, you know, buy into what you're saying, listen to what you do believe in what you're doing and then go and perform. Um, you know, we can all, we'll all have a, an idea of tactics, but getting your team to perform that is the key. Is there a near post-exclusion zone, asks Frankie68. Why, when the ball is put wide, do the forwards all congregate en masse anywhere but the near post? And someone else points out, well, Cavani did nearly score there with his first touch. Um... No, I mean, obviously, you know, you, you coach teams to, to get in between the goalposts because that's where most of your goals are scored. Um, arguably, you know, near post runners will dislodge somebody out of a space where then maybe somebody else can come and arrive. Um, you know, it's that to score in front of the near post, it's hard because obviously you've got to knock it backwards, if you like. Um, but I think the old school near post flick-on's gone from corners. You don't see that too much these days. You know, we go back 15 years and there was always a, a near post corner where someone would flick it in between the, the six-yard line, if you like, and the, and the near post and, and flick it on for somebody else. Um, but you just, you know, players have instincts. They, they go where they want. You can't control where they run. Um, you can do patterns of play and, and put pitches in their head, but they, they read body language. They read where they think the cross is coming and they act accordingly. Next question, come through my Twitter. How do we get Pogba, Van Der Beek and Bruno to work in a midfield? They're our best footballers, but they haven't played together yet. Is it our current tactics that don't suit them? I think it's, it's all on Pogba, if I'm being honest. And I'm not singling him out, but for them to work best, it needs to be a rotational midfield. For me, it needs to be one sitting at all times and two attacking. And then recognising when somebody goes out of the space... Bayern Munich are the best in the world at, it, at the minute. They play a 4-2-3-1. But you watch how many times Goretzka gets in advance of Lewandowski. And you watch how many times Muller gets in advance of Lewandowski. But between those three, 
they'll always be in that kind of shape, recognizing where each other's movements are and covering for each other or filling spaces that somebody leaves behind. Um, whoever plays with them, if it's Kimmich, might be the one that sits nine times out of ten, but you'll still see him go forward and you'll see Muller dropping in for him. It, the rotation between those four key positions, if you like, your two defensive midfielders, your number 10 and your number nine, at Bayern Munich is incredible. And then Chuck Gnabry on one wing, Koeman on the other, or it, it, even if it's Leroy from Man City on the, on the left, the interchanging positions is the best. And for me, if you look at how they do it, and obviously they've got world-class players as well, and they squeeze up from the back to make the games nice and compact, they're, they're brilliant at it. So it's, it's, it's looking at them, really, uh, the rotation and the movement, but the understanding of recognising to be disciplined. If you know, Bruno wants to run in advance of Martial, then all of a sudden someone has to recognise that and, and, and cover for his spot. And that's what takes a bit of practice, but it also takes no egos. Next question is from Matt. Uh, what is Ollie's philosophy apart from fast attacking football and why doesn't it work against compact defensive teams I think you know he's, he, he wanted fluidity he spoke about fluidity when he first came in so the, the stuff I'm talking about but it does take time um, they, they are arguably the best in transition moments you know you look at the goals against Leipzig and it was transitional moments where Rashford's running onto it with his electric pace and exploiting the spaces that have left behind by a Leipzig team trying to attack. They're, they're the teams that suit Man United. And when it comes to those deep-lying defences, you have to look at the individuals that, that can make their own goals. And, that, you know, I don't think they've got loads of that. Um, you know, half chances, yes, Greenwood, Rashford, Martial. You know, is Martial going to do a double step over, drop his shoulder and, and leave someone on his backside and slot one in the corner? At times, yes, but not, you know, you're not, 100% going to be completely you know, tantalised by his skill. Rashford can do that at times as well. Um, but they're more like manipulating the ball half a yard on a strike. So it's, it's tough. Um, and it's those extra special players. And there's not many around that can do that in tight areas. You know, you look at Neymar's, but you know, he's higher risk because he'll lose it more times than not. You look at Messi's, people like that, Ronaldo's. Um, these are the players that were coming up against these deep line defences, need to be able to beat one or two players and make their own goals. Um, but his philosophy is certainly high octane, a bit of fluidity with, with some rotational, and he's just trying to keep improving year on year by buying the right players, getting rid of the, of the, the bad ones, keeping a good atmosphere by getting rid of the bad eggs as well, regards mentality. And they're improving. You know, third last season... What was it, 10 games before they won three games in the league this year? Seven games before they've won three. Obviously, you'd have took six points from nine in the Champions League, beating Leipzig, Paris Saint-Germain away from home. Yes, they lost to Istanbul, but if you'd have said before the game, you're going to play Leipzig, Paris Saint-Germain and Istanbul, and we're going to give you six points, you take it. You can't expect teams to win every single game, but what you want is progress. And, that, and that's, for me, what's still keeping them in a job at the moment, because they are, as well as they do have hiccups, they are progressing. But it's just tough because the expectation's so hard because it's Man United. So, you, so you'd keep him? I think you, you've no, there's no way you could sack him because he's improved and he's doing his job. Get me European football last season, done it, box ticks. We finished third, by the way, from, from nowhere. Um, signed good players that are improving the team all the time. You know, Wan-Bazak has improved it. Maguire, yes, he had a sticky patch, but he still improved it. 
Um, he's still on the team sheet, first name, if you like. You know, Rashford's improved. Bruno Fernandes has been a magnificent signing. They've improved Martial. He's now on number nine. He wasn't before he came to the club, and he's making that number nine his spot. They've got Greenwood coming through. The only one that's probably been an average signing without slaughtering anyone is, is maybe Dan James. Maybe not quite been the player, but still young enough to have the potential to be the player he wants. And there hasn't Cavani is a, is a well-established player. Yeah, people are saying he's old, but you know, where's your center, how many centre forwards can you get? Scored for Uruguay in the week, you know, against Colombia. Scored obviously when he came on. You know, he's he's surely going to get better. But you know, he's got no how. He knows what he's doing. You only have to watch his game. Uh, the goal he scored against Everton, the amount of time he checks his run and he doesn't get caught offside. That's experience. That's know-how. You know, he's composed, gives the goalkeeper the eyes, but you watch how many times he slows his run down and changes his angle so Bruno Fernandes can slip him in. You know, brain-dead forwards there, run offside. So he's got he's made good signings, so at the minute he's improving. So I, I don't think he's 100%, unless he goes and loses six games on the trot, but he has to get the, the rest of this season for sure. Why is the home form so poor? I think fans can affect that with the COVID. The season's strange anyway because, you know, you're bringing in new players. You've only got two pre-season friendlies. Normally you have six. You get a chance to put your, your ethics down. Not only was it just that, so you can say, oh, come on, they're all professionals. But you have to look at when the international breaks came. You know, you're training for a week. The season starts, a couple of games off for international break, come back, international break again players you can't you can't get your long sessions and you can't get your tactical it's all team meetings you can't rep you know repetition on the training field so it's just a strange season at the minute and definitely old Trafford with the crowd makes a difference and there is none what are your thoughts on van der beek playing in a deeper midfield role is the next question only if there's allowed license to go forward. You know, Van der Beek's strength, his time and his runs getting in the box. You don't have to watch his goals from Ajax. The amount of times he arrives at the right time in the box and he's tapping them in or he's breaking lines and he's getting slipped in in 1v1s. Energy up and down. So you can't, I don't think you can restrict Van der Beek. You're taking away his major quality and his major quality is getting into the box. You know, if he sits in front of your back four, you're wasted. There's no point signing him if you're going to do that. You might as well play McTominay that's going to give you more defensive cover, that's going to give you more maybe energy and a bit more stature, physicality. Why put Van der Beek there and say, do what McTominay does, when McTominay's probably better at that side of the game than Van der Beek? I got a tweet last week factually telling me that Scott McTominay cannot play football. How much noise does it affect the players when you're getting abuse like that off social media? Um, I think it depends on your character, but if you're confident in yourself and you know you're good enough, you know, he, he plays for Scotland, who's just qualified, for, obviously, for the Euros. You know, he keeps getting back in the team when he might find himself out because, yes, they're looking for a little bit more regard to football, but he ticks boxes. You know, he's seven out of ten. He covers ground. He breaks up play. He gets his foot in. He's, he's, he's a little bit of a threat in the air from a set piece. Um, you know, he does the simple things well. He's a bit like a, like a Fletcher, if you like. You know, he played for years at Man United. So he, he can play football, but when you're at Man United, I think you probably need a little bit more regards your football, regards your, you know, your stats on, on assists and goals and, and, and what. But that's where the balance comes in. Steve Duffy wants to know, playing Juan Mata on the right, why? And in, slightly in relation to that, why can't we play Pogba in place of Mata? Uh, so he can put some crosses in, add creativity uh, where Wan-Bissaka plays. There's two questions. 
one matter plays on the right because he finds those pockets of space and he makes it hard for the opposition fullbacks. Do I go and mark him? Do I step in there? If I do step in there, then Wambasaka might get slipped down the outside. So he's there to find those little bits of space and get turned and start threading balls through. He's not the quickest, but he's intelligent. Another one who does, does the simple things well, passes the ball well. You know, ball retention is good. Uh, pass completion's good. Yes, he's not going to go and you know, out-sprint someone and whip it down the outside, but he's there for that thing we've talked about, about Juan Bazaka, a tactical element to, to you know, engage with full-backs, to pull full-backs out of spaces so you can get the full-back, our full-backs down the outside. So that's why he plays. Uh, Pogba, for me, again, wouldn't be disciplined in his role. Um, you know, he'd cost you the, the, the opposite full-back would get a 2v1 with a winger against Juan Bazaka. You know, he'd drift into positions and, and not be defensively reliable. And that's the reason why you can't play Pogba wide. Last few questions. Well, we've got hundreds, actually, but we can't get them through them all because you want to get back to your good lady who's a Manchester United <laughs> fan in Sydney, Sydney Opera House, wherever it is. Does Luke Shaw's injury push Ollie to a back five is the next question. Uh, I wouldn't play the five. I don't like the five. I don't think you can put enough pressure on opposition fullbacks. It always gets rolled back to their fullbacks and they get crosses in with ease, is my opinion. Um, but I was always, you know, amazed that they didn't sign another out-and-out left-back. Um, you know, you look at Regulon going to, to Tottenham. Man United played against Seville last season. They knew the main man was Regulon for a, you know, a threat um, and you always know with Luke Shaw, he's not going to be reliable. He's not going to give you 50 games a season because he always gets injured. Um, so now it's, it's you know, round pegs in square holes. Who do we put there? Right-footed fullback, maybe. Um, but I would still stick, stick with the four. Um, I prefer the four. You know, the, I think the three poses big problems between central defenders. Everyone's always, is it your man? Is it my man? The centre forwards get in between you. You've got a back four, you know who you are, you know your roles and responsibilities, and I, I think it's easier as a centre defender to, to defend in a four rather than a three. Ian Edge wants to know, in sort of similar vein to this, why do we play with two defensive midfielders, even at home? Something every manager has done since Fergie retired. I think you've got Hurricane kicking in on uh, Sydney there. <laughs> um, in addition to that, he says, surely if we play with just one, and push 20 yards forward to close the gaps, would we be on the front foot more? Well, it's tough. It depends who, you, who you're playing against. Obviously, you play against Chelsea, and they have you know many attackers that will play narrow, whether it's, whether it's Pulisic, whether it's Werner, whether it's Hudson-Odoi, and, and you're trying to protect that space in between the lines, which is so dangerous. If a player gets the ball turned and he's facing eyeball in your back four, it's dangerous, so you, you're trying to eliminate how many times that happens in a game because statistics will tell you that's one of the worst things to happen to you regards to creating a goal-scoring opportunity. So that's why you play with two. You know, you're coming up against the, the best teams and they have good attackers, they have good 10s, they have good 9s, they have good 11s on the wide 7, if you like, on the opposite. And they're finding these spaces all the time and you've got to try and eliminate it. Um, Bayern Munich try and do it by really pushing the back four high, it kamikaze at times and they can get done over the top but they try and compress that space and that's the reason why teams play with, with two holding midfielders I think you can play with one but you still need to make sure that your two attacking midfielders don't get caught Man City only play with one but Man City get done on the counter-attack quite a lot so it's a double-edged sword really um, 
it's a tough one and it's probably game by game. You're looking, you know, at videos, match analysis, seeing when can we do it, when can we do without it. Last three questions, we'll do quick ones. Is the diamond dead? Asks Ben Hume. I think so, unless you're playing against a lesser side that, that defend on the box. Um, the, the, the diamond makes you weak down the outside uh, because when you defend, you have to flatten it out. So you end up, if it's Pogba playing and say McTominay and maybe Fred's the sitter, all of a sudden McTominay fine on the right side, getting out to the left back, you'll do it. But Pogba getting out to the full back, it's not going to happen very often. And at times, you'll get done. You'll get done down the outsides because the diamond, you know, in transition moments is narrow. And like I say, quickly, you have to get back into that defensive. It's a 4-4-2 when you defend or a 4-4-1-1. But that diamond has to flatten out quick and it, it leaves you vulnerable down the outsides. Stephen Lewis-Black wants to know, is it a deliberate tactic to have Wan-Bissaka and Shaw tucked in close to the centre-backs as they always seem to have to make ground when the play goes wide to the wings? And this, this gives the player a chance to set themselves to cross. Yeah, I think you try and, you know, keep the ball. You don't want the ball going through you. You don't want it getting played to those number 10s turned. You don't want it going through your system. You'd rather the ball go down the outside and then get your central defenders to defend narrow between the goalposts because you can you can make it a bit more predictable. You don't want the ball going through you. So it will be a tactical ploy to keep a narrow, but you still have to get out there and you still have to try and block the cross. The cross is still dangerous. Okay. And the final one um, from Bjorn Van 3000. Can Ash ever see us playing two central strikers again, given we have a problem breaking teams down? Would it not be a possible solution? Well, they did do that in the diamond. That was the idea behind the diamond to play maybe Greenwood and Rashford together. But with Greenwood, he likes to drift wide and it, it still looks a little bit of a lone striker. Um, so you need maybe a Cavani could do it with somebody else. You know, a Cavani, Marshall may work. But again then you have to go into either a 4-4-2 or you go into a, a diamond or you go 3-5-2. Um, but teams do like two centre-forwards, um, so it's not dead. And it, again, you, you have to look at oppositions and, and analysis and, and find out when it's right to do that. You've got a final message from Bangalore, and this is from Football Got. Ash is a legend here. He had a phenomenal three years with Bangalore FC. We love listening to him. Thank you from your friends in India. So there you go, mate. Very nice. That was sent in by your missus, actually. (laughs) She's probably saying, get him out there. Get him away from me. Right, I'll let you go back. I really appreciate your time, Ash, and I know the listeners do as well. Good luck with everything. Brilliant, mate. Thanks a lot. So that was it, and I hope you enjoyed listening to Ash as much as I did. Uh, This podcast is brought to you in association with The Athletic. And for the next couple of weeks, well, it's literally two more weeks, we've got a special offer of getting access to The Athletic for £1 a month for the first six months. You can cancel at any time. It's a fraction of the usual cost. There's award-winning journalism there. There's some brilliant stuff on there. And there has been consistently, there's loads of Manchester United stuff on there. I've just read a piece by Danny Taylor on Dave Fever, the former Manchester United kit man. There was a really good piece on Roy Keane by Adam Crafton the other day who spoke to players who played under Roy Keane. And a really nice piece last week with Carl Anker about a really senior member of United who's originally from Nigeria. And I'd never heard of him. So you learn all the time. 
and there's lots of good stuff on there. So to go and sign up for it, go to theathletic.co.uk forward slash united. That's theathletic.co.uk forward slash united. And that's where you'll get the £1 a month offer for the first six months. That's only open to new subscribers and literally it's available for, for two weeks. And that's it. And then... We'll bring you another podcast probably uh, this week and then we've got the West Brom defeat at Old Trafford on Saturday. Shouldn't laugh and being fatalistic there. It's just the way that things have been going with United recently. And the new United We Stand is now out. It's available to download. Uh, go to our website, uwsonline.com uh, and we're going to do another mail out at the start of the week. Uh, once we've mailed all the copies out, I publicise the deadline as, as much as I can. We do one mail out per week. I'm pleased that copies have been arrive, arriving really good in the UK. You may have to wait a little bit longer outside of the UK, but we've had some pretty encouraging reports so far on this issue because it hasn't been easy, if I'm honest, in the last few months. Um, we had one person who subscribes in South Africa. <laughs> Seems like the mag took two months to get there. I shouldn't be laughing because it's far from ideal, but that shows the state of some of the postal services with uh, in the world at the moment. I'm sure people are trying to do the best, but we've had reports of mags arriving in Ireland, Norway, Denmark, all within one week of being posted from Manchester. So that's pretty encouraging. So if you want to order this issue, just PayPal us for the UK three ninety nine to uwsmag at yahoo.co.uk and we'll get you on out. Or it's better for us if you can subscribe for 10 issues. That means that we don't have to do 10 different pieces of administration. And just go to uwsonline.com and we can start the mic from this issue, no problem at all. Until the next podcast, thanks for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>